Stand with me tonight in reverence to God for the reading of our text. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Teacher, all these have I kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. If you mark in your Bible, you need to mark that part of the verse right there because that is powerful. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing thou lack. Go your way. Sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Look right here. The title of my message tonight, The Man in the Bible to Miss Heaven by 17 inches. Remain standing and bow with me for a word of prayer. Father, speak to us through your word tonight. Accomplish what you want done. And I pray, Lord God, that you will do the work in us that you want done. And I pray, Lord God, that every young person, every adult in this building listening to my voice right now, that they will surrender every ounce of their being to you and to your will and what you have for them moving forward. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. Thank you and you may be seated. The Gospel according to Mark, the 10th chapter. With the story of the rich young ruler is perhaps one of the greatest tragedies ever recorded in the Bible or out of the Bible. Here is a young man in the prime of his life, believed by most Bible scholars as being in his upper teens or his early 20s. A young man that had such promise. A young man that had such great potential. A young man that came running and kneeling to Jesus. A young man that Jesus would have loved to have had as one of his disciples. Would have loved to have had as one of his followers. This young man could have become one of the mighty servants of the kingdom of God. He could have become a mighty preacher like Peter. Or a missionary like Paul. Or perhaps even a fiery evangelist like Philip. This young man could have written one of the books in the Bible. But none of it happened. None of it. Young person, because of one thing. Not ten, not five, not two. But one thing. And because of that one thing, this young man lost everything. He didn't even get his name called in the Bible. Did you realize that? We don't know who he was. And yet, my friend, young person, this young man is much like a lot of young people and even moms and dads today. 
who could do so much for the Father, do so much for the Lord Jesus, do so much for the kingdom of God. And yet, young people all over this land, because of one thing or more in their lives, are losing it all. Let me tell you something, young person. One thing wrong in your life and mine can block the power and bar the blessings of God. One thing wrong in your life and mine can cause it all to be lost. You see, many times we think that we've got to go out and do a whole catalog of sins, that we've got to do dozens of things that are wrong before we get ourselves in trouble. But let me tell you something, friend. All it takes is one sin to begin to eat like a cancer and then destroy your relationship with Jesus Christ. One thing wrong in your marriage can destroy it. One thing wrong in a friendship between you and someone else can cause you to lose that friendship. One thing wrong on your job can cause you to lose your job. One sin can cost you everything. Look at Adam and Eve. One sin cast out of the Garden of Eden. One sin caused Moses and Aaron to be uh, uh, barred from going into the Promised Land. You remember the story of the children of Israel. They were wandering in the desert, and they came criticizing and complaining to Moses. And they said, we want water, and you got us out here in the desert to die of thirst. What are you going to do? Moses didn't know what to do, so, so Moses went to God. God told Moses, I, I want you to go to that rock and speak to it. Moses went to that rock, but he didn't speak to it. The Bible says that Moses took his rod, and he struck the rock quite, twice instead of speaking to it. And the water came gushing forth, and the children of Israel drank it, and their thirst was satisfied. But young person, because of that one sin, the sin of disobedience and rebellion, God told Moses and Aaron, neither you nor Aaron will be allowed to go into the promised land. Now people look at that story today and they think, well, what's the big deal about striking a rock? That seems so trivial, so insignificant. But was it? Who was that rock? That was no ordinary rock. 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter and verse 4 reveals it. It says, And they did all drink from that same spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Hear me, young person. Moses took his rod, and he struck Jesus. He struck the Christ instead of speaking to him. And because of that one sin, Moses was barred from going into the promised land. Look again, and you'll remember that David, because of one sin, lost his firstborn child and went out and wept for days. Because of one sin, Judas Iscariot went to a suicide's grave in a devil's hell. Because of one sin, Ananias and Sapphira fell dead at the feet of the apostles, the sin of lying to the Holy Ghost about their giving. One sin can cost you everything. This young man, had one thing wrong. And because of that one thing, he lost everything. He didn't even get his name called in the Bible. Now listen, would you be willing to search your own heart and let God put the Holy Ghost spotlight on your life tonight? How many of us sitting here tonight would have to admit, oh, I've got more than one thing. Perhaps there are some things in your life that are keeping you from being all that you want to be and that you need to be for God. You see, many times we point fingers at people outside of the church for actional sins like drugs and alcohol. But what about some of the attitudinal sins that are so prevalent within the church? What about unforgiveness? I'm just, by the Holy Ghost, there are people in this building right now that you have got some unforgiveness in your heart. God's going to help you have the victory over that tonight. What about jealousy in your heart towards other people? 
What about envy? What about strife? What about bitterness or anger or hatred in your heart? One can cost you everything. Too many times we refuse to search our own hearts, to let God deal with us, and it never fails. I'll have somebody come up and say, say boy, you know, Brother Todd, I sure wish so-and-so would have been here tonight to have heard that message you preached because they needed to hear it. Well, so-and-so probably is glad you are here tonight to hear this one. But many times we, we, uh, we refuse to search our own hearts to let God deal with us. With our lips we say we love Jesus, but then many times our actions show that we don't. I heard about one woman that she, she got so mad at her husband that she pulled out a gun and she shot her husband full of holes. And after it crumpled to the floor and she realized what she'd done, she, she leaned over her husband and she started saying, Oh, how I loved him! Oh, how I loved him! I don't know about you, but I think I'd have rather been loved less and live longer. <laughs> I mean, that was a love. And we say we love Jesus with our lips, but many times our life makes a liar out of our lips. Is that one sin a lack of love, a lack of fire, a lack of desire? One sin can keep you from being what you ought to be, young person. Now, there's not a person in this building, there's not a young person here tonight that if you're really trying to live for God, that you're all that you want to be and that you need to be for God. But the question I want you to probe your own heart with tonight is this. What is that one or more things that is keeping you from being that prayer warrior, that intercessor, that giver, that witness, that faithfulness and attendance to your church, that Bible studier? This young man had one thing wrong. And because of that one sin, he lost everything. He missed heaven. Look right here. By 17 inches. He got so close. Sort of almost stepped inside the pearly white gates. But he never got any closer than he got right there. 17 inches. Where do I get it? I want you to think with me for a little bit and see if you can figure it out before I get there. And I'll tell you a little bit later on. But I want you to look at what it says about this young man in Mark chapter 10 that I just read. Because I'm afraid that many of us sitting right here are going to find a lot about that young man in our own lives. Look at this with me. Mark chapter 10, beginning with verse 17 through 22. The first thing that I want to point out to you tonight, the first thing it says, this young man, he came running to Jesus. He came running to Jesus. I would have liked to have been there and seen that, Pastor. Wouldn't you? I mean, that must have been fascinating. You get the picture. It's full of drama and excitement. Here's the Lord Jesus on a Judean hillside with a multitude of people gathered there in front of him, and he's teaching, and all of a sudden, there's an interruption to his message. A young man comes running like a deer, running like an athlete across a beautiful green meadow. He's leaping over stones and brush and briars and rocks. He's leaping and running and coming to Jesus. Everybody sees him. He's interrupting the message that Jesus is preaching. He comes running to Jesus. I love to see young people running to Jesus. I love to see anybody running to Jesus. Most of the places where people are running these days, though, is everywhere but to Jesus, everywhere but to the church. Isn't it true? We see people running to the basketball courts, running to the ball diamonds, running to the football fields, running to the golf course or the tennis court, running to the lake, running to go skiing, running to go hunting. People are running to the young people, running to the keg beer parties, running to the sex sin. People are running to everything. Would to God that people would start running to Jesus. 
He's the only one who can help them. People are running all right, but they're running from Jesus and not to him. And as he comes running, it lets us know that he's a young man who has something to give as well as something to receive. I thank God that we can come to the Lord and have our names written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen? Abundant life. Healing. If you need healing tonight, we're going to give you an opportunity to be healed. I thank God that we can receive healing, deliverance, salvation. So many things that Jesus gives that we can participate in. But hear me, young person, look here. Jesus has given you something that he wants you to give back to him. This young man had abilities and talents. This young man seemed to have a model lifestyle. He was a young man that came early in life when he had something to give. I'll never forget it as long as I live. I was in a revival over in Griffin, Georgia. How many of you have heard of Griffin? Raise your hand. How many of you have heard of Georgia? Raise your hand. How many of you are not going to raise your hand no matter what I ask you to do? Raise your hand. That's what I thought. In this revival... There was an 83-year-old man that came forward and got saved for the very first time. He'd never been saved before in his life. 83 years old. White hair, stooped shoulders. After he was saved, they had a baptismal service that night, and he was baptized in water. And when he came out of the, 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 the dressing room, after being baptized in water, he was crying, weeping like a child. And his grandchildren came running over to him. And they said, Grandpa, why are you crying? You should be the happiest man in town, Grandpa. Your soul is saved. And Grandpa said, I am happy that my soul is saved. He said, but I've, I've wasted my life. He said, I've got one foot in the grave. And then he said these words, and I'll never forget it. He said, I am happy that my soul is saved, but I've lost my life. I've lost my life. Young person, Come when you have something to give. That's the best time to come. Your abilities, your talents, all that God has given to you. And let me tell you something, young person. Every day that you're not living for God, you are living that day for the devil. Every day that you're living for yourself and for sin, you are living that day for Satan and you're wasting it. It's wonderful to have your soul saved, but it's even better to have your life to be saved and given to Jesus. Come when your heart is tender before the devil gets his stains, his paws, his clutches in your soul. Come in the prime of your life, young person, when you have something to give as well as something to receive. This young man, he had something to, he came when he had something to give as well as something to receive. But look at the next thing that happened. He came running to Jesus, but then when he got there, the Bible says, he got down on his knees there at Jesus' feet. I would have liked to have been there and seen that too, wouldn't you? I mean, here's a young man, now get this, that not only comes running to Jesus, but then when he gets there in front of Jesus, he gets down on his knees there at Jesus' feet. Now listen, it took courage for that young man to do that. He wasn't an ordinary young boy. He wasn't a poor boy from across the tracks. He didn't come in rags. Remember the Bible says this young man is rich, he's young, and he's a ruler. Rich, young, ruler. He had a name that probably everybody in that community knew who he was. All of the young people in his school, no doubt, knew who he was. 
He came from a family that had, had uh, butlers, had maids, had chariots, had barns, had cattle, had horses, had fields, had timber. This young man was wealthy. He was well known. And yet, here's this popular young man there in front of Jesus on his knees at Jesus' feet. No doubt there were young people all over that crowd with their fingers pointed towards that young man saying, look who that is. I never thought I'd see that young man get down on his knees. Look, he's on his knees, on his knees at Jesus' feet. You know what that tells me? This young man was humbling himself. He wasn't going to let his pride, his name, his money, he wasn't going to let his popularity, he wasn't going to let anything keep him from humbling his heart before God. Now, how many times have we and others that we have known, young person, been afraid of what people are going to think if we go all out for God? I know this is especially true of many young people in these last days because the devil has just pulled up the stops and is attacking you from every direction, far greater than, than even whenever I was your age. But I know that there are young people today that are afraid to stand up for God, and they'll say things like, well, if I tell my friends about Jesus at school, my friends will laugh at me, and they'll make fun of me. And, and if I give a Bible away at school, then, then my friends, they'll, they'll mock me, and, and they'll, they'll, they'll curse me, and they'll make fun of me. And there are many young people today that because of their pride, Afraid of what somebody will say. Afraid of what somebody will think. There are many young people today who are afraid to go all out for God. Afraid you might be called a radical or a holy roller or a fanatic or a crazy Christian or a church freak. Let me tell you something, young person. They may call you a radical. They may call you a holy roller. They may call you a fanatic. They may call you a crazy Christian. They might even call you a church freak. But let them call you whatever they want to because when Jesus comes, if you're living for him, they'll call you gone. They'll call you gone because we serve a Jesus who's coming again. And if you're serving him, whenever Jesus, that rapture trumpet sounds, you're going to be taken out of here. And young person, any friend that you've got that you can't win to Jesus that tries to drag you down to the devil's crowd, get rid of them. I'm going to get real straight here, Pastor. There are boys that tell their girlfriends today, they say, oh, if you really, really love me, then you'll have sex with me. Young lady, I'd look at him and I'd say, if you really, really love me, you wouldn't have asked. I hear young people say, oh, come on, we can have sex. It'll make our love grow. I'd say, into what, a baby? And this is the biggest one of all I hear. I, I hear young people say, oh, come on. They'll say to each other, they'll say, oh, come on, we can do it. Uh, uh, everybody's doing it. Young lady, you should look at him. If he says that to you, say, if everybody's doing it, you shouldn't have too much trouble finding somebody else to do it with you. Amen? And besides, young person, that's one of the biggest lies propagated by Planned Parenthood. Everybody is not doing it. And besides, young person, you don't want what everybody else has. You don't want a broken home. You don't want sexually transmitted diseases. You don't want AIDS. And young man, young lady, listen close. Young lady, any boy that tries to get you to have sex with me, uh, sex with him, uh, uh, because, and says that if you don't have sex with me, then you don't really love me, you need to drop him like a bad habit. Young man, any young lady that tries to lead you astray, you need to get rid of her like the plague. 
Hear me. Look right here. There is no girl and there is no boy. I don't care how good, how pretty, how handsome, how famous, how popular they may be. There is no girl or boy worth going to hell for. They're not worth going to hell for. Don't let your pride, don't let your money, don't let your popularity, don't let any of these things keep you from humbling your heart before God. You remember the devil's kicked out of heaven, young person, but do you remember why? Wasn't because he got drunk. Wasn't because he ran off with another man's wife. It wasn't even because he got drunk and ran off with another man's wife. <laughs> Satan was kicked out of heaven because of his pride. He wanted to rise up and be on the level with God. He didn't want to take orders. He wanted to give them. He didn't want to worship God. He wanted everybody else to worship him. I'm convinced that pride is going to send more people to hell than money, drunkenness, or adultery. Afraid of what somebody will say. Afraid of what somebody will think. Young person, as long as you're afraid of what people think about you, if you go all out for God, you will never amount to anything for God. I'm never going to. This young man came running. This young man came kneeling. It's a powerful thing what happened. And then once he got positioned down on his knees at Jesus' feet, look what he said. He came to the right person, Jesus. And he came with the right question to the right person. And he said, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And from all appearances... This rich young ruler came to that church service with the right attitude. He didn't come there to debate, to find fault, or to criticize, or to argue. Time it again, young person. We will come to church with the wrong attitude. And we'll find something wrong with the preacher. We'll find something wrong with the pastor or the evangelist. We'll find something wrong with the, with the church or the way that they do their music. Or we'll find something wrong. And many times we come with a critical spirit. And you know what happens whenever you come to church with a critical spirit, young person? You get robbed of a blessing. Now, I'll be the first to tell you, I, I'm not perfect. You can find something wrong with uh, Tim Todd. You can find something with, wrong with Pastor Heath Harris or any of these uh, 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 youth leaders. But finding something wrong with one of us will not excuse you in your sin. Being critical will hurt you. It will destroy you. It will destroy you. It will hurt you more than it does anyone else. But I know that there are people today that say, that they'll, they'll come to church and they'll say, Oh, well, that preacher, he just preaches too loud or he preaches too long or he preaches too soft or he preaches too strong. And you can always find something wrong with one of God's servants, whether it's the preacher or, or, or the singer or whoever it is. But young person, if you'll come to church with the right attitude and you come in the right spirit, then you will hear from heaven. You will hear from God. This young man didn't come to criticize. He didn't come to find fault. And he said, good master. He called Jesus good master. But young person, you can call Jesus good master with your lips and not let him be your good master. He said, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus spoke to him and he said, you were to keep the commandments. He said, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor your father and mother. He named off several of them. And what was this young man's response? He said, Master, pretentiously puffed up with pomposity and pride. He said, Master, all these commandments have I been keeping ever since I was a little boy. 
What kind of young man was he? He was the kind of young man that would say today, I say my prayers, I pay my tithe, I go to church, I read my Bible, I'm all right. There are many people today and many young people today that come to church that really don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They're just going through religious gymnastics, going through the motions, uh, 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 going through religious activity. But then after this young man said this, Jesus dropped a bomb in his lap. Jesus put him to a test. Now, young person, you say you're a follower of Jesus. You say you love the Lord. You say you pray, you pay your tithe, you read your Bible, you say, I'm all right. Let me tell you something, young person. Any time that you and I set out to follow Jesus, you're going to find that the devil will get on your trail and mine and that Jesus will allow you to be put through tests and trials. And young person, when you sell out for God, you will go through difficulties in your life. I had a young man come up to me a few days ago, and he said, he said, Dr. Todd, I've been thinking about becoming a Christian because then I won't have any more problems. <laughs> Listen, young person, you start living for Jesus and stirring up the devil's crowd, you'll have more trouble than you can shake a stick at. You'll have more difficulties than you've ever had. One lady stood up in her church, and she said, I never knew there was a devil until I got saved. She said, I found out. And listen to me, if you're not having to fight the devil to live for God, you better check up and see whose side you're on. You better see if you're doing anything. Because when you serve Jesus the way he intends, you're going to have trouble following you. You're going to go through difficulties. Hear me, young person. Gold is gold after it goes through the fire. Iron and steel are iron and steel after they go through the fire. Silver is silver after it goes through the fire. And we, God's children, have got to go through the fire. That's what makes us. That's what breaks us. That's what molds us. That's what melts us. That's what bleeds us. That's what burns us. That's what purifies us. And young person, anything that gets you down on your knees praying isn't all bad. I don't know how bad it may seem right now because many of you sitting here right now, you're going through it and the devil is attacking you. Anything that gets you down on your knees isn't all bad. It may be a broken relationship. It may be that you've lost your job. It may be that you have an, an incurable disease or somebody close to you that is ill. It may be that you've lost a family member or a friend. Anything that, young person, anything that gets you on your knees, gets you praying, gets you closer to God, isn't all bad. It can be your salvation and mine if you will let it. But we've got a lot of people in the church today that don't want to be saved, but they don't want to be disciples. They want to be believers, but they don't want to be followers and learners. Following Jesus is no easy thing. And I can tell you this, young person, the symbol of Christianity is not a couch. It's not a Cadillac. It's not a Corvette. It's not a Camaro. The symbol of Christianity is a cross, an old rugged cross. And until you die to yourself on your cross without Christ, you will never amount to anything for God. No one ever amounts to anything for God but what they make the cross the symbol of their life. No one ever amounts to anything for God but what they find their way to the foot of the cross. But let me tell you something, friend. Few people want to get near the cross. Young person, there are no traffic jams on Calvary. 
There are no traffic jams on Calvary. People don't want to get that close. They don't want self-denial. They don't want to give up self. But then after this young man said this, Jesus dropped a bomb in his lap. Jesus said, okay, young man, you said that you kept the commandments. Let's see if you have. Jesus said, I want you to go sell everything that you own. Your, 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 your cattle, your horses, your fields, your timber, your butlers, your maids, your chariots, your barns. He said, I want you to be stripped of everything. Give that money to the poor. Take up your cross and follow me. And when this young man wouldn't do that, he said no. When he wouldn't do it, he broke all ten commandments in one stroke. You say, how? You see, God summarized the Ten Commandments into two. He said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And when this young man, this rich young ruler, was unwilling, unwilling to, to, to go sell his earthly possessions, it showed that he loved his gold. More than he loved his God. And when he was unwilling to take that money and give it to the poor and give it to the hungry, it showed that he didn't love his neighbors himself. Oh, he thought he was keeping the Ten Commandments. What was wrong? He was keeping them in his head. He looked good. Let me tell you something, young person. A cemetery can look good. A casket in a funeral can look good. And you can look good. But the question is, has the Lord got your heart? Is your heartbeat in rhythm with God's heartbeat? Now watch this. When you take a yardstick and you put that to your head, down about where your heart is, Almost everybody, watch this, you put your thumb and your hand right there and you take that yardstick and you put it to your head down about where your heart is. Almost everybody, without exception, it is 17 inches, the distance from your head to your heart. How about you? How many of you have it in your head but not really in your heart? I could go in so many different directions in the close. I want to tell you, but what God laid on my heart to share with you in these closing moments is so important. How many of us sitting here tonight would have done what Jesus required for that young man to do? How many of us today would do it? If Jesus asked you right now to go sell your car for him and give that money to the poor, would you do it? If you're like a lot of people today, you say, well, not unless he paraded ten white horses across the sanctuary and three angels came down and blew their trumpet and God announced on a loudspeaker that he wanted me to sell my car. I've heard about this young man that, uh, uh, that uh, uh, he was making bad grades in school and, and uh, uh, his dad called him in and said, now, son, his, his dad, he, he came in to his dad and he said, now, dad, he said, he said all of my friends... Their, their parents are buying them a car, and I think you need to buy me a car too. So his dad said, all right, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, if you will shave your beard and cut your hair and bring your grades up, 
He said, I will buy you a car. Just like your friends have got a car, I'll buy you one. So, so the semester went on, and, and, and uh, uh, he brought his grades up, but he didn't shave his beard or cut his hair. So his dad, he brought his report cards to his dad, and his dad looked at him, and he said, well, son, I'm proud of you for bringing your grades up. He said, but you must not want a car very bad. He said, because you didn't cut your hair or, 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 or shave your beard. And he said, well, Dad, he said, I've been reading the Bible here lately. <laughs> and he said, I, he said I, I, it looks as though Jesus had long hair and a beard, and if that's good enough for Jesus, that's good enough for me. And his dad thought about that for a moment. His dad said, well, son, that's true. He said, but if you'll read on a little bit further, you'll see that Jesus also walked everywhere that he went. <laughs> he said, so if that's good enough for Jesus, that's good enough for you. <laughs> but how many of us will give up earthly possessions? Many have, but most won't. That's why the Bible says, the harvest is plenty, but the labors are few. And believe me, I have nothing. I, I, I don't have a problem with long hair or a beard. But how many of us will give up earthly possessions? Many have, but most won't. That's why the Bible says the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Few people will sell out. We want security of a house, of a car, of a job. And we're not willing to strip ourselves to follow Jesus Christ. This young man was not willing to strip himself to follow Jesus Christ. Jesus said, go sell everything that you own, give the money to the poor, take up your cross, and follow me. And this young man, when he heard that, he was on his knees. He got up off of his knees. I don't even believe he had the courage to look Jesus in the face. I believe he just stood up with his head down. And he turned, he shook his head, and he said, no, I won't sell out. And young person, that rich young ruler that came running to Jesus and kneeling to Jesus, he got up off of his knees, shook his head, he turned around, and he went walking away. He came running, but he went walking away. What happened to him? He found out what it was going to cost to follow Jesus Christ, and the price of discipleship was more than he was willing to pay. I don't ask you tonight, young person. I don't ask you if you go to church. I ask you this. Have you sold out? Are you a learner? Are you a follower? Are you a disciple? This young man walked into the distant horizon. Where'd he go? He went the same place everybody goes that loves their gold more than they love their God. He went the same place everybody goes that loves their silver more than they love their Savior. He went the same place everybody goes that turns their back on Jesus Christ. He went to hell. He went to hell. That's putting it plain. That's putting it blunt, but that's where he went. You see, you can come to these altars, young person, and you can say one thing and you can pray one thing. But what you do when you get up off of your knees from these altars, young person, proves what you really did while you were on your knees at these altars. Bow your heads, close your eyes, open your hearts all over the building. Every head bowed, every eye closed, and every heart open. I believe that there are some here tonight. I believe that there are young people in this building tonight that if the truth were known, that you've got one or more things in your life that are blocking the power and barring the blessings of God. There are areas of your life right now that God is dealing with 
And, and, and if the truth were known right now, there are those of you sitting here, there are a handful of you here that if, if the truth were known, your heart is not in right relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to know, young person, Jesus loves you just the way you are. Jesus has got a plan for your life, and he desires to bring you spiritually where you need to be so that you can be on fire for him. And there are young people in this building tonight that, that you need healing, and there are adults in here tonight that you need healing, and Jesus is ready to heal tonight. There are those of you sitting here tonight that need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And yes, there are many of you sitting here right now, young and old, that perhaps there is a call of God on your life in the fivefold ministry, some area of ministry, and you need to allow God to help you recognize what that call is. Denying yourself, taking up the cross, and following Jesus into whatever that ministry is. And I believe that God is going to speak to your heart tonight and give you direction. Now with nobody looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed, and every heart wide, wide open. If you're in this building tonight and the Holy Spirit has dealt with you and you realize that you're not in right relationship with the Lord. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. But if you're here tonight, you say, Brother Todd, I'm in this building, and I realize that my life is not in right relationship with the Lord, and God's dealing with me tonight, because I know I'm not where I need to be with God, but I want to be where I need to be with God. I want to be. I don't want to just have it in my head. I want to have it in my heart. And I want to be in right relationship with God. But I'm not where I need to be with him right now. If that's you tonight, with nobody looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed, every heart wide open, you'd say, Brother Todd, that's me tonight. My heart is not right with the Lord. I'm not where I need to be with God. I'm not in right relationship with him but I want to be, I desire to be. Pray for me. If that's you tonight, with nobody looking around, if that's you tonight, slip your hand up right now, quickly, all over the building. Hands are going up. You say, that's me, Brother Todd, and God's dealing with me. Hearts open wide. If you haven't raised your hand yet, and that's you, slip it up right now. Anybody else? Quickly. You'd say, that's me. Yes, who else? You'd say, that's me. You say, God's dealing with me because I realize that I'm not where I need to be with God but with God's help, I'm going to get there. Pray for me. If you haven't raised your hand and that you lift it right now, anybody else? Quickly, quickly. Anybody else? Yes. A lot of hands. A lot of hands. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road. If you raised your hand and really meant it, and I know that you did, I want every one of you that raised your hand and really meant it, right where you're seated, nobody looking around, you that raised your hand and really meant it, right where you're seated, I want you to stand to your feet quickly. Don't wait for somebody else. They might be waiting for you quickly. If you raised your hand and really meant it, stand to your feet. If you did not raise your hand and you should have and you'd know, you know you're not where you need to be with God, but you want to be and you haven't stood yet and that's you, stand up right now. Anybody else? Quickly, yes. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. Who else? You'd say, that's me. 
That's me. Anybody else? Quickly, stand if that's you. Yes. I want every one of you standing to step out from behind that chair into the aisle, make your way to this altar. Come stand right here in this altar area. Come quickly. Come quickly. Again, don't wait for somebody else. They could be waiting for you. Come, come stand right here facing me. Come stand right here facing me. We'll wait just a moment. Anybody else, come quickly. Come. If you've not come yet and that's you, and God's dealing with you because your heart's not in right relationship with God, if there's anybody else and you've not come yet, don't wait. Come now. Come quickly. Come quickly. That's right. Who else? Anybody else? Come quickly. Anybody else? Jesus is waiting for you because he cares about you. Now we're going to pray together with nobody looking around. You that came, the most important thing you will ever do is to serve God. And you that came, everybody in the audience, if you will, please keep your heads bowed. But those of you that are in the altar that came, look right here at me. Look right here. God's got a plan for your life. He's going to work in you and through you and do great and mighty things. Every one of you are very, very important to Christ. He loves you just the way that you are. He doesn't want you to change and come to him. He wants you to come to him just like you are, and he's going to help you be what he wants you to be. Because God's plan for your life is so much greater than the plan that we have for ourselves or what the devil has in store for us. So the first thing we have to do when we give our life to Jesus Christ is to ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins. And he said in his word that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So pray this with me out loud. Close your eyes. And I want you to profess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash them away with your precious blood. Since you died for me, I'm going to live for you from this day forward. But I can't do it on my own. I need your Holy Spirit to lead me. In the things of God, I surrender all. Say that again. I surrender all in Jesus' name.